You may have previously listened to this podcast when it was called the PropTech Ramble, but we realized we were rambling about so much more than just PropTech. So we're back with a brand new series and a brand new name, The Measure Podcast by Metricus. Just like the last series, there'll be no bullshit, but there will be some rambling. I'm Michael Grant, COO and co-founder of Metricus, and I'll bring you a new guest every Wednesday for the next 10 weeks to get the measure of topics such as productivity in the workplace, building efficiencies, sustainable buildings, and ESG. No matter where you're listening, I hope you enjoy the new series and get some value from it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Measured Podcast. Today, I have with me Stephen McDonald from the PropTech Connection. Stephen, welcome to the podcast and thanks for coming on. Could you introduce yourself to everyone for me? Because you'll do a better job than I will. Yes, Stephen McDonald. I'm the managing partner for APAC for the PropTech Connection. What we do is we help real estate companies survey the landscape for technology and then help implement that digital strategy with a bit of curation and also mapping out planning for that. But we also help major VCs and CVCs in terms of finding technologies that meet their thesis. And then from that as well, we obviously help a number of emerging real estate technology companies or prop techs and find customers and investment funds that are, are interested. We have offices here in Sydney, where I'm currently based, originally from Scotland, however, and offices in Bangkok, Amsterdam and Chicago in the US. Thank you for coming on. And I think we are still on the efficiency pillar. And given what you do and what you do at the PropTech Connection, I think it's quite a good pillar to, to run through and ask you some questions on. So part one, which is what what's happening in the market when it comes to driving building efficiency? So I've got two questions in here for you. So from your experience, which country is leading the market when it comes to innovation for driving efficiencies in buildings? It's quite a difficult question to answer because I think a lot of the – it depends on the asset itself. And But I think the one that we think has one of the most cohesive strategies is Singapore. That They're very – proactive in terms of stating that that's one of their key tenets of their, their digital strategy. And I think given the size of it, it's actually probably a bit easier as well to actually really start to push those things forward. I think one of the challenges that you have from like a kind of country basis is there's obviously issues around cybersecurity. There's that interoperability kind of issue where it kind of makes sense that somewhere like Singapore, which has got that kind of enclosed base, is actually leading the front on that. Where are they leading, do you think, from a building efficiencies perspective? What what areas are they leading in? I think for them, it's, it's, it's around that being that connectivity between the buildings, which then drives everything else. So they wouldn't necessarily say they're particularly leading in energy efficiency. Arguably, you've got more, not, not advanced, but kind of a greater focus, if you like, in Europe for a number of reasons, particularly in places like Holland and Scandinavia on the kind of the facade of the building. But I think what Singapore is doing particularly is that ability for the that human connection with the building. And therefore, you can actually drive things like thermal comfort, but also analysing how people use space, which obviously knocks onto cleaning, but also actually creating a space that is more valid for the user rather than kind of having the user adapt to the, to the building. 
I was in Singapore not long ago. It's it's always strikes me as a very clean country and clean city. From a digitization point of view, are they doing more than other regions, other areas of APAC? I should say. Do you think are they doing more than Australia and Hong Kong and Japan? Do you think they're they're pushing forward faster than than the other regions? I think APAC is, in itself is quite a challenge to kind of to map. If you look at Japan, Hong Kong, Singapore, Australia, New Zealand. South Korea, they're kind of tier one, as we call them, and that's more from a kind of speed of execution. And then you kind of got the growing economies like Indonesia, Thailand, and then there's the ones that are kind of just starting their journey. I think where Singapore is got a major advantage is, for example, 80% of housing, I think, is public housing sector stock in Singapore. So there's that relationship between government and real estate owners, but then also the real estate users. So there's that kind of dependency. So for example, they've got, and I can't remember the name of it, an app which effectively holds a lot of their personal data and they have trust within the system. And because it's quite an enclosed space in terms of being able to monitor things, but also the density, you're actually then able to really start leveraging off technologies to, to make that a pretty good experience where if you've got somewhere geographically dispersed like Australia, it's obviously much harder to do that. And then you've also got state government and federal government, which is another layer of challenge. But beyond that, what, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see if we, we kind of stay in APAC for a bit? That what, what are some of the biggest challenges organisations are facing when it comes to making their buildings more efficient? So so we think of whether it's Singapore, Hong Kong, you know, any of the, the Asian countries we've, we've mentioned. What, what are, what are the, what are the organisations in that part of the world, what are the challenges that they're facing? I don't know if this is true, but I'll give you this as an example. So we, we, we chatted to someone about the Gherkin in London. And what we were told was that the Gherkin, I think, was opened up to the public, if you like, in 2015, but the technology for it was chosen in 2007. So you've got a premium building in one of the best cities in the world, and already in 2015 their tech is at least eight years out of date. And if you imagine the speed of change in technology, given where it's now, I don't know the Gherkin as a building or the asset owner, but... Yeah. That's quite a big change, right? And so you've then had a couple of things have happened. The way the buildings are being used has changed fundamentally. So you've then got that kind of internal reconfiguration piece, which tech can enable. And then obviously the infrastructure, just basic things like how you communicate between buildings. Again, going back to cyber, but going to access control, how you access data from, say, your lift usage. It's probably built a long time ago, and that's in the premium buildings, or sorry, implemented a long time ago, and that's in the premium buildings. Once you start going down the value prop, it's probably even longer. And I think that's the challenge with energy efficiency. My, my, one of my first jobs post getting my CA was actually working for a clean tech VC. And I, we, were sort of, we were investing in techs in energy efficiency. And one of the things we were doing, looking at them, was external cladding on residential housing in Scotland. And that was kind of the draconian way, if you like, to kind of try and help reduce the, the energy expended on heat. You're kind of not that far different now for some buildings, just given the challenges involved. Yeah. And I think that's that's the big issues that a lot of people are facing. I think given how fast technology does move, and, and it's always something I've thought about in this space, coming from a technology world myself, building data centers many moons ago, but technology, when you're designing a building, you design the building and you design for the BMS and the lighting and everything that goes into it. But by the time that building is finished, there's a new BMS, but you've got to put the BMS in that was designed four or five, six, seven years ago, right? That's that's a fundamental problem. How how the world and the construction industry and the real estate industry gets over that is is key, right? I mean, it's it's a little bit different for wireless access points and all that sort of stuff because 
you wouldn't you know you would scope that in at the very last minute because it changes so much and and that that doesn't change but it's the, the fundamental bits like the hvac and the, the you know the core infrastructure that runs a building is I, I think that's a challenge no matter what right i think the the own that and this is me being a simple australian and, and coming from an engineering background is you almost have to do it from the edge back to the core right to start with if you if you want to try and get it around the right way but it is that that's that's a huge challenge and i, I don't think anyone's solving that anytime soon but i could be wrong and if, if someone is solving that please do let me know i'd love to talk to you <laughs> <laughs> Part two, the pace at which the market is embracing change in technology. So given what you guys do at the PropTech Connection, you're kind of at the forefront of a lot of these conversations and a lot of what's going on in the market. So how well is the market embracing change when it comes to adopting new technologies and smart building? Someone wrote, I can't remember who it was, but about MIPIM the other day. A lot of real estate people love to talk about doing stuff, but they don't actually do anything, right? They love to talk about doing the doing but they like to talk more about it than actually doing it so how well do you think the market is really real estate market is really embracing change it's difficult i I think it depends on the strategy of the company and it depends on their portfolio i think you're you're starting to see very clear strategies coming in market now given the headwinds particularly in commercial you've seen people adopt defensive strategies where they'll say we only own premium and our kind of defensive proposition is the fact that we're based in Sydney CBD, London CBD, New York CBD, whatever it may be, you're seeing other ones that want to kind of differentiate themselves and that we are very committed to our ESG commitments. Um, We want to be seen as a a healthy building, our kind of main USP, if you like, for potential tenants is that ability to be a great space for people to work. And you're seeing that kind of evolution from NOI to kind of productivity in terms of how you value a building. So there's people doing that. And then there's there's other ones that are saying we're just not going to play in that space. We're going to move out to the periphery and, and, and have it all tech-enabled, like Citizen Hotel has done in the hotel industry. It's kind of like what they're doing yeah. there. So I, I think it's very – this is quite a hard thing, is I think, for emerging techs is there's so many different portfolios and trying to do different things. It's actually very hard to position your proposition to the, the, the people you want in the right way because everyone's kind of doing different things. And I guess also on that, if you if you look at one segment, let's just take commercial real estate buildings, like, like the one I'm in, although it's very small, take the big one behind me, the, the people running those buildings, so the FMs, and I know some of the FMs are, are, are looking at this and, they're, again, they're all talking a good game, but whether they're actually delivering or not is, is you know, in my opinion, a different story. But if you talk about commercial real estate, We know that things have picked up pace a little post-pandemic, but they're still not they're still not moving at the pace of change that I think people talk about change happening. So there's a lot of talk about change happening quite rapidly, but you know, coming from a tech world where building data centers and working with technology that does change rapidly, and we would upgrade routers and switches every couple of years or every few years to get the fastest and the best. Real estate just doesn't do that. I mean, commercial real estate, uh, why do you think they're still slow? I mean, it has picked up, right? But why do you think it's still a slower rate of change than than anywhere else? Forget forget industrial, warehousing, retail, residential, just commercial real estate. Why, why do you think that's still slower than it really probably should be? 
There's a number of reasons. One being just the value of the asset. It, it just makes people very risk averse. And I, the the opportunity in commercial is very good given the scale. But we always say that to people that's actually the most difficult because because of the lag time. So I think this, the scale of the asset makes people a bit more conservative than, say, potentially construction or residential. And that's not, from a safety point of view, that's more there's just so many projects going on that people are more willing to potentially try things. I think the second thing is just a, the, the structure of commercial buildings. Some of them are, are JVs with sovereign wealth funds or they're managed by different agencies. You might have different contractors in there. And that's across like one major asset owner's portfolio. You could have these kind of like nuances. So then to actually get portfolio rollout, rollout becomes quite challenging because you need a lot of stakeholders involved in those as well. So, and then obviously you then go down the, is it on fringe? Is it in CBD? What's the quality of the building, the, the age, et cetera? So I think it's just because there's so many factors involved, it just makes it very, very challenging. I think there is a, a desire there, and I think ESG will be a driver of that if if people do stick to it. But I just think having to navigate multiple stakeholders is, is, is a big challenge. Yeah, I was just reading something this morning. I was just trying to look it up on LinkedIn, actually. There, were, there was something this morning that, that Basil Demarotis from Four Partnership reposted or liked that that had a had a report in property week in it which was very interesting about uh, that if you, if people are looking at this and you are doing something about esg and energy efficiency and you know trying to drag your building into the 21st century it does make quite a big change i can't find it unfortunately but i'll try and find it and post it but that does tell me that if people do take the steps to change that, that it can provide a hell of a lot of value. So we'll, we'll see. I think, I think it's an interesting space and I think the next few years we'll see whether it actually starts to gain more momentum or not, or it stays at the current rate of change. So I'm hoping it picks up, but we'll see. Part three is what's next for building efficiency, so future-looking predictions. So, again, given what you guys do, what, what trends and technologies are you seeing in the market or do you see on the horizon when it comes to making buildings more efficient? And if we stick with just commercial real estate for now, I know that's cutting off a lot of the market, so apologies, people listening. But if we stick to commercial real estate for now, otherwise we could be here for a long time. What, what, what are you seeing out in the market that, that is catching your eye or catching the eye of other people in the industry? I think the ability to garner data that's consistent from multiple sources. Like I think the energy efficiency piece, I think, is almost to a large extent kind of kind of done. Like the, the, yeah. there was a lot of companies that came out and they were successful, but once you kind of tell people your your formula and they replicate it to, to justify the cost of a year becomes more challenging. So I think what you're then seeing is actually, well, I just want a that system and I want that system, but I actually want to house it in my own data warehouse or I want to be able to analyze it my own way and I want to be able to configure it and I want to make my own decisions. My occupiers want that as well. So I think that's where you're going to start to see real take forward of things, especially as people now, actually occupiers and asset owners have got much better data governance, much better data lakes, so they can actually then take that data and then start making making some good insights. Data is like oil, right? Unless it's refined, it's not very valuable and you can't do a lot with it. So. I, I think I think data and data aggregation will become more and more important, but it's it's then cross you know it's comparing data, so comparing one data set against another to to build a picture of what's going on in the building, and then 
from that you can start to predict what will happen in a building whether that's usage whether that's energy usage whether that's how many people are coming in i think that's the future for the next few years because like you say energy efficiency once it, people know your formula or you've made your building any energy efficient what what more can you do right you can change lights from halogen to led or fluorose to led which most people have already done you can look at your hvac clock and change the systems because most of those are not set up very well we haven't touched a building yet that we haven't been able to make more efficient so that's that's a, a quick win as well so the last question i think it is it is are there any essential metrics that organizations should be measuring in relation to their building efficiencies without being a politician it depends who you speak to so i think <laughs> I, I think the the asset managers and the portfolio managers for them obviously it's real estate metrics which is noi and, and tenant retention and things like lease incentives so anything that gives the visibility of any challenges that might be arising there is the kind of metrics that they'll be wanting to use I think no matter who you speak to, everyone's got an example about a major occupier relinquishing space. And if you roll yeah. it up into banks, insurance companies, financial services companies, that becomes a pretty big number. I think that anyone that can give some insight into the space utilization, and I think actually now what space utilizing means is, is actually pivoted. I think people before were trying to understand how much space they should use. Now it's actually, if it's been activated, how you do things like clean. So there's, there's, there's costs that people kind of, some people, you wouldn't necessarily put with tech, like like cleaning, where actually savings down that route would, would actually have some big impact. I think on the, the energy efficiency side, particularly senior leaders or people in lead ESG roles will be obviously looking at some of the ratings in terms of whether it's well, leads or rest or whatever it is. Yeah. I think the challenge that a lot of people have is the 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 consistency of application of that, so explaining to potential investors or potential occupiers what the different things mean. And I think even generally just as a concept, the concept of smart buildings is is actually poorly told by a lot of people. So actually translating the value of your building as a smart building to someone that could be an occupier and how that translates in different rental rates is still a big challenge. So I think there's a number of ways that either tech or metrics that people will be will be seeking to use. Yeah, and, and I think that some of the key people in there for getting the metrics and for actually rolling this out, the asset managers, they're either on side or they're not. And if they're not on side, it, it's it's kind of door shut, right? It's it's really hard. We, we've seen that firsthand in both Metricus and Air Rated. That, but there are some asset managers who are really proactive and see the value, but there are others mm -hmm. who are just... No, not not interested. Not not you know outside my remit of what I need to do day to day, and and don't want to go out of their pigeonhole, so to speak. So it's an interesting one. So quick fire questions, the last bit, Stephen. So how easy is it on a scale of one to ten for organisations to improve their building efficiency? For difficult to answer. Depends on the organisation. Five or six. Five or six. What's the best piece of advice you could give an organization who is slow to embrace technologies in their building to make them more efficient? The, the primary thing where we see people haven't maybe executed as planned is rushing into to what they think the problem is and actually not setting down and actually defining clear metrics. Tech should actually have a clear right come on, there's no point in it. Agreed. And finally, because it is called the Measure Podcast, what's the one piece of data that you need or you could not do without to do your job? We have something like seven and a half million data points on prop techs and investors in the prop tech ecosystem on our own proprietary database. So the information that comes from that. 
what does that help you guys with making decisions who you talk to i mean if you didn't have that you'd be blind pretty much yeah well it allows us to, to test theses we see where trends are happening it allows us to decide who we want to work with and and, and certain things so yeah it's very no one else we think has really aggregated together because it's so disparate Stephen, thank you very much for your time, mate. It's a pleasure to have you on. We'll see you again soon. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we're seeing Ivo at some point as well. But th- thank you very much for, for being on the podcast, mate. Thank you. No, thanks very much for having me. Cheers, buddy. Thanks so much for listening to The Measure Podcast. Before you go... We can see a lot of people are listening and enjoying the podcast, but aren't leaving us a review. So if you've enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes, please head to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review if you'd be so kind. Please also leave us some comments. It helps us provide great guests and have great chats. No bullshit, no small talk, but valuable information to help people in their roles. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to The Measure now so you don't miss anything.